All right. Well, good morning, church. Oh, it's so good to be back with you, to uh, be able to see so many familiar faces again, people we haven't seen maybe in a while. I see a lot of new faces as well, and that's a good thing. That means that the congregation is growing and being able to influence new people, and that's, uh, that's always a wonderful thing. Um, for those of you I've not had the, the chance to meet yet and, and get to know, uh, you're wondering, well, who is this guy? Nobody. <laughs> really, as Paul made it clear a minute ago, you know, when you started down your road, Paul, I want you to know, as soon as you started, I, I looked at Misty, I said, and here it comes. I mean, I could feel the, the punch coming, and so, uh, but... Oh, from 2006 to 2013, uh, my family and I had the privilege of ministering here and working here and uh, was just so blessed uh, by our association uh, with this wonderful congregation. And so we always love to be able to come back and to see you. And I've told some of you this um, whenever we went to Center Hill five years ago. Part of the reason why we felt like that was feasible to make that move was because we knew we would still be 25 to 30 minutes away from so many of you that we love so much. I told Misty, I said, if, if maybe we'd had the chance to, to move away to Texas or, or Tennessee, or I said, I don't think we could have done it because we, we wanted to still be able to be in close proximity to people that we love here. And uh, so we love you all, and we pray that uh, all is well in your lives. It might not be, uh, but uh, even still, we would just say hold fast to the very hand of God. Uh, I'm so thankful that Spencer called me a couple months ago, and he told me, he said he's going to be in and out. He said, I'd like for you to just come back and have a chance to, to preach the congregation. I said, I'd be, be honored to be able to do so. And uh, so we sat down and we had a little bit of a discussion and, and tried to figure out what direction could we go with this particular lesson. And so uh, this is kind of where we landed together. If you have your Bibles and you want to go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 2, turn to Colossians chapter 2. And then if you have a bookmark, or maybe if you want to use one of the um, cards in front of you, you've always wondered, I, maybe you've no, you don't fill out cards, maybe a member card or a visitor card, and you wonder, what do I do with this card? Use it as a bookmark for your Bible. That's what I do. So grab a, a card if you want and mark Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, and then also Colossians chapter 2. And just um, to even be more exact, as you're turning there, today... This day, October the 7th of 2018, this marks actually five years to the very day that we started our work in Perigold at Center Hill. And uh, we've loved being a part of that wonderful congregation. I know there are a lot of people here, you have connections back to Perigold and that congregation. And you know when I say that it's a wonderful church, a loving church, it truly has been a great blessing to us. Just like you have been to our family, Center Hill has been that for us as well. Tonight will be the fourth time we've done this. Um, I took a page out of the playbook of David when I was leaving and I was heading to Perigold. I started thinking, well, what can we do to try to uh, bring unity or more unity to the body of Christ there in Greene County? And so we started doing what was called Sing to the King. It's our version of exaltation, which you have at the Fowler Center. Sing to the King is on the first Sunday night of October. This will be our fifth one, even though it's the fourth year. And uh, so tonight, we're going to be meeting at the Greene County Tech High School Auditorium, all the congregations in Greene County, and we're going to join together for a time of praise and worship and song. Um, it's just a great blessing. It's a wonderful, wonderful time of worship. And so there might be somebody in here that you're inclined to sing, you love to 
practicing. Um, there will be about 900 of us in that auditorium together tonight, um, just bursting out in song. I believe that the Greene County Tech High School Fine Arts Center, the fire marshal says you can get 999 in there. And we've gotten close a few times, and so I'd like for them to be able to tell us, hey, you've got to kick some people out of here. And I'll get to help pick which ones that will be, too. I'll say, you, 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 you can stay. You go. Um, so if uh, you're inclined and want to worship with us tonight down on 49 at Green County Tech High School, we'll be having a great time of worship with all the brethren there in Green County. All right, we're going to talk about this, this idea of thankfulness. And um, I want you to put into your mind and ask, and, and, and you, if I were to ask you who the most loving person is that you know, you probably could quickly tell me this person is a very loving person. If I said, if the, you know, who is, who's the best cook you know? You might be able to say real quickly, this person is, is a great cook. Um, if I were to ask you who is the most thankful person that you know, who would come to mind for you? Who pops into your mind when it comes to being thankful? Um, we're getting near the holidays, and we're getting ready to head towards Turkey Day, and we, we start thinking about being thankful. Um, but the reality is, as God's people, we weren't asked to be thankful in the month of November. Um, we are to be marked as people with deep gratitude to God for what he has done through Christ Jesus for us. This is the very fabric and the very DNA that just rushes through the blood of a Christian, that we are thankful for all that he has done. So who comes to mind when I say, who is thankful in your life? Who shows that and demonstrates that? This is a battle for some, and I know this to be true, because we talk, we visit, we pray, we study together. I know for some, being thankful can sometimes be a challenge. And you wake up in the morning, and before your feet can hit the ground, you already feel like there are some things that are weighing you down that are going to make that day very difficult. And there might be a, lo a lot of different reasons for that. But I certainly believe that Satan, our enemy, is doing all he can to create in us a bitter spirit. A spirit of negativity, a critical eye, where we call people into question and don't want to give our brothers and sisters the benefit of the doubt, but rather we have this need to just constantly be right and put things in their face. Where we don't take into inventory, into account, all that God has done for us. That should not be. And it is truly a spiritual war. I need to only remind you of Ephesians chapter 6, which tells us we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The battle for thankfulness is real. The battle to show gratitude in your life, I understand it's very, very real. But I want to remind you of this. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, the Bible says, Therefore... As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I love those words, abounding in thanksgiving. Do you abound in thankfulness? Is it something that people can see? Thankfulness is something we give. It's not something we receive. And I think that's part of the issue for us. We often want to receive thanks. We want to get a thank you. We want to be shown recognition. We want to be shown that we matter. But the reality is thanks is what we give, not what we receive 
or get. That's why we call that holiday in November Thanksgiving, not Thanksgiving or thanks receiving, but rather we try to express how we have been blessed by God and by so many others. And, you know, when you look at the scripture, you know, Paul, he, he's not describing for us that we need to be content with something, but rather in something. It's easy to be content whenever you're going to college and you're making great grades. It's easy to be content whenever your job is going well and the 401k seems to be building. Um, it's easy to, to be content and thankful when all in the family are well. But we all understand that those circumstances I just listed could turn on a dime. That's why I think Paul is calling Christians not to be content with circumstances, but be content in something. And that something that he just described in Colossians 2, what was it? It was Christ. He said, you walk in Christ. Man, you just get entrenched in Christ. You find yourself just trudging along, even in the most difficult of moments. He says, in abounding gratitude as you are in Christ. We are thankful in something. And that something is Jesus Christ. It's a person. Something that never changes, as Perry read to us just a few moments ago. When I consider great stories of gratitude, I look back at Second Chronicles chapter 21, and the Bible tells us in this great battle that the King Jehoshaphat, love that name, that's classic, King Jehoshaphat, as he's going out, he has two different armies that are now trying to come against him. And it's that great scripture where he says in verse 21 that our eyes are on you, but we do not know what to do. He says, we don't know what we're going to do in this battle, but our eyes are on you. And so God says, here's how you're going to go to battle today. Here's how we're going to do this. I want you to get the choir. I want you to get the choir. I bet Jehoshaphat thought, what? I'm going to go fight two armies, and you want me to get the tenors and the altos and the sopranos and the basses? God said, yeah, do that, and I'm going to give you some banners. You're going to hold those up in the sky. So holding up banners... And then you're going to have the choir, and God says, I want you to go out, and I want you to sing about me. And Jehoshaphat says, okay. So he turns to the people and says, say these words. Thanks be to God for his steadfast love. His love endures forever. And so the choir literally walks out, and they go to battle. And you've got two armies out there standing. And he, what do they do? Give thanks to God for his enduring love. It, it, it goes on forever. And as they sang, the Bible says that the enemies of God were so confused by everything, they turned against one another and they started to destroy each other. That day, the choir won. But I love that the fact that they said those words, give thanks to God. They gave thanks to the Lord in the middle of their battle. In Romans chapter 1, you know, the Apostle Paul is talking about all of these terrible sins and often we highlight those and we want to point those out to people. But when you look at Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 21, in the Bible, this is what the Apostle Paul says. So I want you to put into mind a spirit that's bitter and angry, and listen to what these words from God's Word say in Romans 1, 18 through 21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it in them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, and in these things have been made. So they are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they did not honor him, nor did they give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. I'm just amazed that in the middle of this extremely complex chapter of the Bible, that as the Apostle Paul is pointing out all these sins that people are struggling with and their rebellion against God, he says, here's the reason and here's the root. They are not thankful. Their hearts do not show gratitude. Paul says they, they, eat, they know who God is, but they're not thankful to God. That's why I say this is so important for us to understand how, how important thankfulness is in the life of a Christian. Abraham Lincoln is walking down the street, and as he's going down the road, he's got two sons beside him. And he, he, he sees that his sons are arguing. He goes over and talks to them. And then suddenly another person comes up and asks him, why are your sons fighting? He said, the reason they're fighting is the same reason the whole world is fighting. He says, there's three walnuts, and each of them think they deserve two. See, they wanted more. They couldn't be thankful with the one. He says they're fighting because they want more. How true that can be for all of us. It is truly a battle to be thankful. But the great thing is that even though Satan would do all he could to create a bitter spirit within us, a spirit that's not thankful, the Holy Spirit works with us in such a way to help produce this gratitude that we need. Let me show you real quickly a few ways that thankfulness goes to war for us. Thankfulness, it battles anxiety. Thankfulness battles anxiety. Now, all you need to do is say the word anxiety and some people start feeling anxious. I won't ask for a show of hands of how many people in some way struggle with anxiety. Because here's the truth. We all do. You might think, no, I've never gone to a doctor. He's never told me I suffer from anxiety. My friend, I promise you do. Every single one of us have things in our lives that cause us some element of conflict and stress. Yeah, thankfulness, though, it battles against anxiety. In Philippians chapter 4, we have this text that the Apostle Paul writes to us. And he says these words. You've heard them, but let's listen to them again. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now the context of this scripture is that the Apostle Paul is writing to a church where there are two ladies that they are duking it out. They don't get along very well. And it's causing anxiousness within the church in Philippi. So the Apostle Paul comes along and he says... We don't want to be anxious about stuff. But we're going to be prayerful about everything. And also with thanksgiving, we're going to make our request known to God. How important this is for us to always remember that in those moments of anxiousness, that when we take our requests, our fears, our concerns, our anxieties and cares, and we put those truly at the foot of the cross with a spirit of gratitude, Truly having faith that our God is more than powerful to take care of the problems that we face and to give us guidance and wisdom as we navigate difficult waters with difficult people. Trusting that the, our God is going to be true to his promise when he said, I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. Often the conflict that we have with other people stems from an anxiety that's within me. 
And so it pours out onto other people. Perhaps there's something I'm anxious about. And instead of turning this over to God with prayer, I turn it over to you with anger and with resentment and with frustration. We see how that always plays out. So if you're anxious, bring it to God. Now we talk about being thankful. Well, thank and think come from the same root word. So to be thankful means we need to be thoughtful and we need to think, what has God done in our lives? What has God done in your life? And wouldn't it be neat if we would just sit down and start to make a list of things that God has done? You know, I'm sure it wouldn't be too difficult for you to sit down and start to make a list of things that you feel are wrong about life, things you're upset about, people that have harmed you and hurt you, and you start to make a list of all the ways you've been a victim, how you've gotten the short end of the stick, and you just keep writing your list. That list will produce nothing good in your life. But how much joy might start to well up within us if we would write down the things we're thankful for, the people that have blessed us, and the ways that God has revealed his will to us. Suddenly, we might see that that list we have, we have a lot more to be thankful for than we ever have to complain about. You know, in this verse, what he says, that the, the peace of God, this peace that surpasses understanding, it's going to guard your heart. Valley View Church, if your heart needs to be guarded by the peace of God, it's because it's under attack from your enemy. Also, thankfulness, it battles against pride. It battles against pride. We look at a scripture, let me show you real quick, I think I even have it for you. Psalm 10. The Bible says in Psalm 10, verse 4, if I can get there myself, I apologize. My screen and your screen don't always work the same. There we go. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high. Out of his sight, as for all his foes, he puffs up at them and he says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Uh, what is pride? You know, because if we were to ask each person, define pride for me, we probably would get different responses Here's my working definition of pride. An excessive preoccupation with myself. An excessive preoccupation with myself. I just did a lesson series at Center Hill on King David, and we looked at all the relationships that he had with different people. And one of those relationships that left a very big mark on his life was his relationship to King Saul. And the Bible tells us about Saul that he was very prideful. In fact, God, when he sought out Saul to give him kind of like his final speech, it was this. I would have used you forever. See, God didn't have to use David. God says, I could have used you, Saul. He said, I would have used you and established your house forever. But because of your pride, which is like witchcraft, I have removed my spirit from you. Maybe you know someone who struggles with pride. Maybe you struggle with pride. And dealing with pride can be a very difficult thing, whether it's ourselves or somebody else. But learning how to give thanks, it takes the spotlight off of me, it takes the spotlight off of the problem, and it puts it onto God and Jesus Christ. And often, the more prideful a person is, the more difficult it is for them to say thank you. People who are prideful don't like saying thank you. 
Just like prideful people don't like saying, I'm sorry. Prideful people don't like saying, I need you. There's too much pride there. And we teach self-sufficiency. We teach that you can fix your problems. You are the solution to what's going on. And so to say thank you, that's a, that's a statement of humility. That's where you are lowering yourself to somebody and you're saying, I need you. And often we don't want to have to acknowledge that we need anyone. Maybe at Christmas time you try buying a gift for somebody. You try to give them that gift and they don't even want to receive the gift. Prideful people are terrible. Not only are they hard to buy for, they're terrible to get to receive the gift. They don't want to take the gift. Instead, they're like, oh, no, uh, thank you, but no thanks. I, I, I've already got one of those. I already have an ivory back scratcher. I don't need another one. A person who's prideful, they not only are difficult to try to help, they, they don't want to say thank you even when you extend a gift to them. Self-sufficiency is an illusion. Even the most independent person in this room that thinks that you can do things and do life by yourself, I can promise you, you're not. Because everything you're using around you comes from God and is a result of the work of other people. We often think that we have produced all the good in our life. I, mean, I know people, they are born on third base and they think that they hit a triple. No, maybe your mom and dad helped you get to third by the time you were born. Maybe because of work of others and the blessings of God, you are where you are. Had you thought about that for just a moment? What you have is a product of God, every bit of it, not you. And gratitude is closely related to grace. Often when you feel that you have not received much grace, you do not show much gratitude. Instead, when you look at all of your accomplishments, you look at your college education, you look at your degrees, you look at your job, you look at your income, you look at the size of the home, you look at all that's going on, you've kind of edged God out. Two scientists, they decide we want to challenge God to a man-making contest. With all of our science and intuition, what we know, we can now clone different things. And so they're going to try to clone a man. So they say to God, we want to go to a contest. God says, let's do that. And the two scientists, they say, okay, let's start. Here we go. Let's begin, God. They reach down and get a handful of dirt. And God says, stop. That's mine. I created it. Find your own dirt. Often we think to ourselves, look what I've done. Look what I've created. And God says, stop. You've not done any of it. I've done it all. That's why we should give thanks to God because it battles against this pride that wars against us. In another area, we see where thankfulness battles for us. It battles against entitlement. Back in 1997, back in the way back 1900s, I was 18 and I was just getting my first car. And I went down to this little used car dealership and I found a 1989 Honda Accord, um, which to me was, this was the biggest deal in the world. And so I'd saved up a little bit, and I'd been working, and I thought, okay, it's time to get this vehicle. So they wanted 5000 American dollars for it. And I was getting ready to make my down payment. My grandfather, on my mother's side, he said, me and your grandmother have talked, and we've decided we want to go ahead and make part of that down payment for you. And I was so thankful to my grandfather. I just thanked him over and over. My other grandfather, on my dad's side, he said, well, me and Mamaw have talked, and we've decided we're going to co-sign for your, your loan. Because, I mean, I couldn't understand why a bank wouldn't want to loan $5,000 to an 18-year-old who has no credit history. I mean, I walked into the banker, and I'm like, I've been working. 
for three weeks. And so he's like, well, that's not enough. So I'd have a co-signer. It was my grandfather, Ralph Meredith Sr. So both grandfathers helped me get that car. And I would take that car over to their house. And I would wash that car literally every day. I mean, I'm not joking, church. Hand wash this car several times a week. And I would show my grandparents how much I appreciated that, what they had done for me by showing them how well I could take care of the car. Now, about three years ago, I went down to a car dealership and I found a red truck. In fact, it's, I call it a Red Wolf truck. It's that bright fire engine red. And I thought to myself, my, my Arkansas State University license plate will go right on the front of that. It's going to look good. You can get, put an ASU logo on, or the, you know, the, the personalized license plate on the back. Take this to all the ball games up there. I can't wait. My good friend who's in this audience, Brad Beasley, he was the salesman. He actually was the, the person who sold me this truck. Now, I used to go by and tell my grandparents thank you all the time. I've not gone and tell Brad thank you once. So Brad, thank you. I mean, but here's why. Here's why I don't go by and tell Brad thank you. I've earned that. I've got a credit history now. I don't need a co-signer. I didn't need anybody to give me money for a down payment. That's my truck. In church, that's a spirit of entitlement. To our young people who are here, see a few of the teens down here, I know they're scattered all throughout. Your mother and your father do not owe you a car. Your parents do not owe you an iPhone. They do not owe you the latest fashions. They do not owe you a college education. They don't owe you an inheritance. Now some of the dads and moms are thinking, good, because there won't be one. And right about now, do you know what they're thinking? We used to like you, Mr. Michael. You can't come back. <laughs> I said that in the first service. Brian Gibson came up and found me. He said, dude, that's like the best thing I've ever heard in a sermon. They don't owe you any of that. They don't. Now, if your parents have given you those things or some of those things, you should be extremely thankful. And if they haven't given you any of those things, you should be extremely grateful because the measure of a mother and father has nothing to do with the gifts and the trinkets they shower their children with. It has to do who they are shaping and molding them into the image of. That's Jesus Christ. And so if your parents are trying to mold you and shape you into the image of Jesus, I've got great news for you. You are the most blessed people in the world and you should be thankful for that. But we live with a spirit of entitlement all around us. A couple of years ago, the San Francisco Giants baseball team on Father's Day, they gave out gifts to all the fathers to honor them on Father's Day. And they were sued by a group of ladies who felt like they had been discriminated against on Father's Day because they didn't get a gift because they were ladies. And they won. I read where a psychic goes in for a CT scan, CAT scan. And the psychic, guess what? After the CT scan says, I no longer can tell the future. I can't foresee into the future. She sues the hospital for almost $1 million. And one, that's a spirit of entitlement. You owe me. Now, my question for the psychic is, if you can see into the future, why did you go have the CAT scan to begin with? 
that part was not explained in the story. We are graced by what we have. We are blessed by what we have. But we are not owed what we have. And when we start to give thanks, whether we have much or we have little, that will battle against that spirit of entitlement. Jesus' brother said it this way, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. If he's saying don't be deceived, it's because we can be deceived. My beloved brothers, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. There's no variation, no shadow due to change. This means that we can trust our God to take care of our needs and that he will be willing and able to take care of them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, the Bible says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Those words just jump off the page at me. To give thanks in all circumstances circumstances what are your circumstances there's some right now that your circumstance you might be thinking I'm not thankful for this circumstance but just remember this to give thanks in all things isn't the same as giving thanks for all things I'm not saying you need to give thanks for cancer give thanks for that illness give thanks for the tragedy Give thanks for the job loss. Give thanks for the difficult relationships. That's not what he's saying. He's telling us to give thanks in those circumstances. So whether it be sickness or tragedy, job loss, job change, friendships, marriages, children, things going awry, Paul wouldn't say, yeah, you need to give thanks for all of that. He would say, no, just give thanks in it. Keep perspective and know that our God is has not left you. You might be thinking, what do I have to be thankful for? We're thankful for Christ. In 2 Corinthians, what does the Bible say? Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So regardless of your circumstance right now, church, you've been given Jesus Christ And so as you sit and ponder and do an inventory of your life, you think, I just don't feel like I have much to be thankful for. You have this to be thankful for. The next time you feel, I don't know if I have anything to really be thankful for, just remember the man that was suspended on a tree between heaven and earth that died for you and me. That right there is enough, no matter what the circumstance might be. I love the stories that you read in her book, The hiding place from Corey Tim Boone. Maybe some of you have read her writings before. And Corey Tim Boone, she was part of a family of watchmakers in the Netherlands back in the 1940s during World War II. And she and her family made this decision as Christians to start housing the Jewish people in their community in this house. And so as they started to do that, word eventually got out and someone told the Nazi soldiers that the Boone family, the watchmakers of our town, are housing Jews. And so the Nazis came in and they 
not only took the Jews, but they took all of Corey Ten Boone and her family, her dad, her mother, sister, they took them all and put them in concentration camps for what they had done. And Corey Ten Boone, she eventually will get out of the concentration camp. Her sister will not. Her sister is, is killed. Fifteen days later, Corey Ten Boone walks out a free person. But she tells this story that while they were in the concentration camp, that these terrible Nazi soldiers would do these awful things, inhumane things, abusive things, physically and sexually abusive to the ladies there in those concentration camps. And she says that they were in a barrack there at that concentration camp. And it was just overridden with fleas. Fleas everywhere. All kinds of just pests. And it was so filthy, so nasty, so dirty that the Nazi soldiers would walk in, look in, they see how bad it was. They would walk away from that barrack and they would leave the ladies in that barrack alone. And they soon came to realize the reason that these men are not coming in here and abusing us and, and harming us is because of all the fleas. Corey Ten Boone said that she said to her sister, let's give thanks for the fleas. She said that became our new prayer. Dear God, thank you for the fleas. How many things in life that it seems a nuisance in the moment when we look back, we can say, thank you, God, for that. It taught me more about you and your grace and your mercy. It was a refuge to me. But often because we just simply see the two inches in front of our face, we forget just truly how good our God is. So tomorrow, as we get ready, well, let's start not tomorrow. Let's start today. When we walk out of here today, let us show people we are thankful you understand the people of Craighead County might never know you are a Christian because of your theological talk you have with them because you might not get to have it. But they might know you are a child of God because of the thankfulness you show in all circumstances. Today, if you need to be, show your gratitude to Jesus Christ by becoming a Christian, this would be a great opportunity to do so. We're going to stand and sing and we're going to give thanks to our King. And if you need him in any way, you simply come as we stand and sing. Hear the sweet voice of Jesus say, Come unto me, I am the way. Hearken the loving call, obey. Come for he loves you so. Only accept, only accept. Come for he bled for you and died. He's the same loving Savior yet. Jesus the crucified. Casting your heavy burden down. Come to the cross, the world may frown, yet you shall wear a glorious crown when he makes up his own. Only a step, only a step, come for he bled for you and died. He's the same loving Savior yet, Jesus the crucified.